Why can't I figure out how to say this sentence properly? Hey everyone, welcome back to Spillin' TV the podcast. I'm Tyler. Today I'm going to be talking about Utopia Fall Season 1 Episode 3, 99 Problems. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but... Episode 3 of Utopia Falls, 99 Problems, was written by Joseph Malozzi. Um, and it's a story by Sam Godfrey, who I also saw was the, like, story editor for the entire season. This episode was directed by Suds Sutherland, but really his name is David Sutherland. But it's like, David, in parentheses, Suds, with a Z. Um... And he directed two episodes of this show, this one and the next one as well. Um, He's also directed some other things that I didn't write down. So uh, this was the episode that I realized that all of them might be named after song titles. And you know, that's cool. Uh, The first show that I realized that that did that was Grey's Anatomy, which was also one of my first faves. But uh, let's get into the show I'm supposed to be talking about. Um, so the episode opens with Phydra kind of just, like, existing and, like, fixing her outfit. Um, okay, so I was about to say her authority outfit because her outfit looks a lot more like, um, someone on the authority. So, you know, maybe she's just, like, you know, the authority chief because, like, the tribunal people wear all white outfits And then the authority is like red and I don't know, it's either gray or it's black. I don't know. But anyway, she's like fixing her like outfit. And then uh, the the tribunal lady, who I think is a chancellor, but I literally do not know her name. Um, She, the one with the bump it that I talked about in the first episode, she walks in and she's telling Phydra that Bodhi and Aaliyah have arrived at the authority headquarters. So then, um, like, the the title happens, and then we flash over to the Academy, where um, the other people we care about, uh, minus Tempo, of course, so, in other words, um, Apollo, Brooklyn, and Sage, and then Mags, are kind of curious about what happens, and Mags, like, walks up and tells them that he heard they were reported for subversive activities. And everyone's kind of just looking like, mm, what? So then Mentor Watts is like up on the little stage thing and he's like holding a meeting and the rest of the candidates are there like listening to what he's saying and Watts is basically telling them that, yeah, Bodhi and Aaliyah are at the authority headquarters. I don't know. I think he was trying to like convey that like everything will be fine and the show must go on and we still got crap to do and there's still rehearsals and all this other stuff. But then Brooklyn, being Brooklyn, shouts out, why, why were they taken? And then Watts pretty much snaps back at her, why don't you ask them when they come back? And it's like, whoa, dude, calm down. So he quickly changes the subject from that to the exemplar and talks about how they're going to have to do this gallery thing and record interviews and stuff that are going to be like broadcasted to all the sectors. Then he debuts the new uniform for the exemplar. As the uniforms are being, like, handed out, um, Mentor Chapter calls out Watts because he knows that Watts is the one that actually called the authority on Aaliyah and Bodhi in the first place. And then there's, like, a lot of tension in the band with these two. Like, 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 Watts is like, this is just unacceptable behavior. And it's like, you're mad I called them out because obviously you weren't doing your job of supervising the rehearsals for this to have even happened in the first place. 
So it's like, well, Watts is just so angry and like pressed about everything. Like, you're not the authority, calm down. So we're back over at authority headquarters and we see Bodie and Aaliyah in their like own interrogation cell cells, just like waiting. And both of them are pacing back and forth. So we get like split scenes of Phydra interrogating the both of them. Um, and she says, she basically tells them that they're here because someone snitched on them saying that their performances were atypical. And then she gets into this whole, like, rant. I don't know if it's a rant, but I read most of the things that Phydra does as, like, <laughs> negative because I don't like Phydra, so I'm gonna call it a rant. And she talks about how personal expression is bad but then she also said that diversity is good and like we celebrate diversity but personal expression that's bad um and then she makes this like metaphor that the nail that sticks out gets hammered down because the nail that sticks out is dangerous like she's just saying a whole bunch of stuff that's really all about like conforming and just going with the accepted societal norms. Um, and then she goes on to say that um, if they do performances that aren't the approved ones from whenever, that um, they're going to infect the people with notions of independence and dissent. She says that performance is power and it comes with great responsibility. And I know that like that's a quote, like a notable quote from somewhere or somewhere. It's like everywhere. I don't know. But it's like, I don't know. Father just, is just doing a lot and like is so con- concerned with getting people to conform to one, like one thing, to be one way, to follow one set rule. Like she really... Like, I want to say she's, like, power-hungry, but I don't know. Like, I want to say she's controlling, but none of those words feel like an accurate depiction of, like, Phydra and, like, her goals and motivations. Um, she, like, she tells them that you're not in trouble and that they have to get back to rehearsals. And so she's going to ask them one last question. And her one last question is, who influenced your performance? Both of them say no one which is kind of making Phydra upset, like, internally. Like, she's not going to show that she's phased by this, um, like, stance of, like, loyalty or whatever. But she's also trying to pit them against each other. Um, And then Gerald, you know, Aaliyah's father with the boring name and kind of bland personality, shows up and he's there to collect his child because, uh, you know, he's a tribunal and he can do that. Phydra is like 16 is old enough to know better and it's like okay we get it you're mad you're trying to i don't know save something control the masses and then she's like talking about can you control your daughter and she's like questioning his parenting capabilities and i just hate everything about that and then i also hate a bunch of other things about this like truly the first time i watched this i was basically just shouting racist at my tv the whole time even though, like, I, I, I know deep down, well, hmm, I don't know. Um, but I know that it's not racism at play necessarily in this show, but the way that it's viewed in, like, a, a t- context of today, which, like, you know, maybe that's also what the show is going for. Like, it's, going, it's telling stories that can be interpreted through a today lens, through a dystopian adventure, 
and it's like the fact that this older white woman of like extreme power is like interrogating these two young black kids is really just I don't know like it doesn't like sit right and like what I'm saying is I hate Fyja I love the show and I think that it's it's making a point of something but like it does like it's I think it's meant to be uncomfortable um, and meant to feel like racism. But at the same time, it's also that whole like classist thing that happens because it's like, yes, Aaliyah was also taken, but Aaliyah has the connections to get out of this situation that Bodhi doesn't. So moral of the story is Phydra sucks. Um, and Aaliyah is still concerned about Bodhi. Like, yeah, Gerald is taking her out the jam, but like Bodhi's still back in there. And Gerald's basically like, mm, don't know what to tell you, can't help him. So, uh, we go back over to the Academy, which someone called it that, and I'm just going with it. I don't really know if it actually has a name. And Apollo is talking to Tempo. Um, saying that he like feels bad that him and Aaliyah were taken and it's like not fair and then Tempo's like really echoing the same message that Phydra said about Aaliyah like should have known better and Apollo honestly Apollo's a gem um he tells him that when Aaliyah gets back she's gonna need a friend and not someone judging her um and then Tempo really starts to like do too much in his like expressions and like words that he's using like his word choices like really baiting Apollo to ask him if there's something more to what he's saying and um Apollo's like really kind of pressing this issue and Tempo's like I can't say and Apollo's like there's no such thing as you can't say you just won't basically um and then he's like Apollo's like emphasizing their friendship and then he says I learned this thing in industry sector, or this is the thing we say in industry industry sector. For burdens too great, distribute the weight. Okay, sweet sentiment, yes, okay. And I don't think that Apollo was, like, just trying to be, like, nosy or get the information. I think he truly was kind of trying to help his friend, like, vent and just get things off of his chest because, I don't you know, better out than in or whatever. But, you know, through a more cynical lens... You, you, you know, those people that truly will say anything just to get you to tell them whatever you're hiding or keeping secret just so they can know all the information. And this could be read that way, but I don't, I don't think that this is Apollo's brand. I think he truly does care and, like, want the best. Like, these are just a bunch of kids. They don't, they're not really out to get anyone. So, uh, Aaliyah is steaming mad um about like the whole thing transpiring because she's like we didn't do anything wrong like this shouldn't have happened and Gerald is like oh well okay Gerald is doing his job as a father and a tribunal member to like I'm next no I'm lying to protect no none of that sounds right Aaliyah is saying that we didn't do anything wrong and whatever and Gerald is like well it can be viewed like you did or whatever um, saying that she and Bodhi undermined years of tradition by celebrating themselves instead of the state. Um, and it's like, all right, bro, you really just spreading that, like, Phydra mentality, and I truly don't have time. 
Um, and then he says he can't help Bodhi, and I'm like, mm, you didn't even try. You literally just snatched Aaliyah, and honestly, I feel like you could have snatched Bodhi too. You could have, you could have done it if you really wanted to, but he didn't care. So, Phydra is back, really like tearing into Bodhi and saying how his performance was selfish because like sharing his personal experiences instead of the communal ones is like looking out for himself and not the greater good or the whatever but i argue that there are no communal experiences like not on a true like not on a true level like okay right now it's a pandemic and we're like all experiencing a pandemic sure but in none of our individual experiences are really the same though. Like, I'm not an essential worker. I don't still have to go out and brave the conditions of the world. So my experiences are not like a bunch of other people's experiences. Like, whatever. People sharing personal experiences is valid, but like, that's not really a thing that's frowned upon in today's society because this is 400 years, basically, before Utopia Falls. Which is, honestly, we're basically living in, in the bad place according to, according to this show. But what can you do at this point? Um, and then Bodhi brings up the fact that Gaia's experiences were personal. And they are literally the fabric of the history of their city. Like, Gaia's personal experiences are what even got them to be a city. She's the one that let them into the light. And it's like, Bodhi, you have a point. So, um, Aaliyah is in Snoop Dogg's cave trying to learn about people standing up to their own governments because, look, she is sick and tired of the disrespect and the mistreatment. It has been going on for, like, a few hours, but she's sick and tired of it. And, um, Snoop tells her about protests and civil disobedience, and she inquires more about protests. And they're different forms. So um, there's different visuals from different protest methods um, during like the civil rights movement. And um, she learns about sit-ins and then also stepping as a form of protest. Um, stepping as in like the dance. I don't, mm, dance doesn't feel like the appropriate term to use, but you know, stepping, which is like Oh, rhythmic dancing isn't all dance rhythmic. Okay, I don't have a definition for stepping. Uh, but, you know, you know what it is. Or you could look it up. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Who, who am I even sorry to? Ah, sorry to that man. That man is stepping. Um, truly, you've seen it. If you've seen any, um, like, uh, NPHC, uh, like, Divine Nine sororities or fraternities, they all step for the most part. So if you've ever seen one of their step shows, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and if you haven't seen one of their step shows, uh, look one up. Uh, it might be a learning experience or a form of entertainment. It's quarantine. We got nothing else to do. So we go back over to the academy and Brooklyn has altered her exemplar uniform in typical Brooklyn fashion. And Sage is on the more conservative side like you really don't wear it like that i think the mentors might not love it 
So uh, Aaliyah returns and everyone crowds around her and they're asking like what happened and where is Bodhi and why is he still in authority headquarters while she isn't and all I could do was yell free Bodhi at this point which I yelled several <laughs> several times throughout this episode at my TV and truly wonder if my neighbors just heard me yelling free Bodhi when I watched this the first time and this time. Um, but you know Aaliyah She has a plan, but the people around her are kind of skeptical about it. Like, they're all, like, gathered around just really trying to get the information and, like, figure out what's gone down. And this one guy is just, (laughs) like, he really is not here for any any games. He's like, why were you taken? Why were you questioned? And why were you being treated like criminals? Like, I'm not understanding. Um, And then Aaliyah goes in this whole thing, and it's like, they, they preach that, harmony is happiness and deviation is disorder and she is explaining why all of this is so important and relevant and then Apollo is like yeah honestly I didn't write down the quote but he was like the first to like jump on the bandwagon that we need to do something to help Bodhi and then Brooklyn steps in and is is expressing how much Bodhi means to her and how much Bodhi means to all of them and saying that they've all had a Bodhi moment And I'm like, this is like truly beautiful. But now I just, what's the time frame? What's what's the time span? Like, how has he had a a body moment with every individual person? How many days have they been there? In my mind, it was like three. So um, the the kids are concerned about being expelled and uh, like from the exemplar. And that's like this, there's strength in unity. The whole like strength in numbers idea comes into play because Aaliyah pretty much rightfully says that they can't expel all of them. Like New Babel is built on tradition and Exemplar is part and the Exemplar is part of that tradition. There is no way that they will expel all of them and cancel the Exemplar. That simply just won't happen. So she has a point and she's just like, this only works if we stay strong and stick together. And that's such a valid point. Like, this truly crumbles if not everyone is on board with this. So, um, I don't know. Some time has elapsed, but not too much time. Uh, Brooklyn is trying to convince Sage to join in on the protest. And Sage is nervous and skeptical about the whole thing because she doesn't want to risk, like, everything she's worked for. She doesn't want to risk her spot in the exemplar. Like, yeah, she cares about Bodhi and knows this is important, but, like, the exemplar is also important to her. And she tells Brooklyn that you're asking me to trust other people. And Brooklyn responds, no, no, I'm asking you to trust me. And I'm like, okay, all right, all right, Brooklyn. Like, she really, Brooklyn just has those lines. Just just has the lines. And um, then she grabs, say, <laughs> said that? I said that's so strong but she um like gently grabs um Sage's hands and looks into her eyes and tells her that um Sage can trust her and that she's not gonna let anything happen to her dreams especially because she's in the memory night and again the lines and the confidence Brooklyn just has the lines and confidence she simply has them both that's just who she is Um, And then Sage smiles and, like, rolls her eyes because she's like, honestly, she's probably not wrong. So we head over to Reform Sector and more times is in his office and, you know, casually mistreating regret. 
Jeez. It should be a regret that he's mistreating Regret though. He should regret that. Um, because Regret deserves better. Uh, I will say this every time I see him, probably. Uh, and Max shows up asking more for his help. Uh, he wants more to pull some strings and help free Bodhi because he knows that more and the like authority have some kind of agreement and he just wants to help you know free Bodhi so more kind of inquires about what even happened and when Max tells him that Bodhi was rapping which of course he doesn't say rapping he says he's doing a performance but whatever um says it was a performance like the one he did at the block party which again rapping and uh more asks like who he criticized this time and Max was saying he just talked about the experience in reform and he was like oh so he went against the state and says that uh Bodhi is crazy and asks if he's trying to get himself ghosted which is like the first time we've heard this term ghosted but it will come back up a few times so Morris ego is still basically bruised from that whole block party rap and he isn't really trying to help Bodhi he's like Max is like what about us being family and Matt and Morris saying well Bodhi didn't have that same energy so why should I still have it and like Max is like really like really like leaning into more helping Bodhi like he's really trying to help his friend like he just he wants him out and um he's trying to appeal to Morris' sense of family and I guess like protection of Bodhi but um, Moore doesn't seem to be budging in his stance to not do anything. And so Max leaves angrily. And truly, like, this is one of the one of the most fired... That doesn't sound like a, a sentence that makes any sense. But this is a time that I've seen him, like, the most fired up. Um, there may be, like, another time that it also happens. But, um, like I said, I love these friendships. Because Max is, like, really trying to put in work for Bodhi. And so is, let me not say everyone else, but, like, so is Aaliyah and Apollo and Brooklyn. Like, they're all really team free Bodhi because he should be free. So we head back to the Academy. And the mentors are ready to start recording these interviews or taking the pictures or whatever this whole gallery thing is they have to do. And I don't know if this is the first time but this is the first time that I took note of seeing like technology of some sort on the screen but uh in that first episode we talked about how we haha talked about how technology isn't to be used for personal it's for I don't know like the greater good or for the community and this is basically that like this is to record the information or document whatever is needed for the exemplar, which is put on for all the people. So, Watts calls someone's name to be interviewed, and it's a name that I don't remember hearing, so I don't really think that that person is relevant. Um, and he just chalks up the fact that this person doesn't show up to being that they just haven't made it into the room yet. So he moves on to Brooklyn. And everybody is just looking at Brooklyn, and Brooklyn looks back at Aaliyah, and then she just sits down and says nothing. Uh, Watts calls her name again. She says nothing, and it's kind of just sitting there, breathing a little bit heavy, because I'm sure her heart is racing for this disobedience. So then he calls another name, Sierra, and she sits down. Then he's like, what is this? And then he calls Aaliyah, and she sits down. 
Then he calls Tempo, and that's when I got nervous because Tempo, in my book, does not have the best track record. But, you know, Tempo took him for the team and also sat down. And then once Tempo sat down, literally everybody else just sat down. And then um, Aaliyah explained that no one is rehearsing or taking part in the gallery until Bodie is released. And then Watt throws a fit. He's having a tantrum. He's yelling. And it was a very, like, childish thing to watch. And he's, like, he can make examples out of people. And he's, like, you can't hold this exemplar hostage. And I'm, like, whoa, chill out, man. Like, he, like, he was so angry. And it's, like, wow, you really don't have anything else to do. So, we head back over to Authority Headquarters, and Phydra has walked in with Bodhi's file, also on a tablet. So, like, there's a chance that I just didn't pay attention to any technology in those first two episodes, and this is the first time, really, I took note of it. But she walked in with this file, and she's, like, explaining the story of his life and how he was transferred to reform at three with his single father, who was undergoing rehabilitation. And, um, she's says he's 16 and that's two years away from being 18 so okay quick maths um and this is what I realized um something she said that I hadn't heard before and she's saying that if his record like remains clean he could file for a transfer to another sector once he turns 18 um because he like didn't end up in reform like he had he had to go to reform because his father had to go to reform so he didn't do anything wrong and I didn't really know that that was an option or a fake option because, you know, people don't like to... <sighs> I didn't even finish the sentence because people are terrible. But, um, so she's still going through his record and she says that he has ties to criminal elements. And it's like, girl, just say more times and move on. Um, and I'm still saying that his name is more times because he's in trouble more times than not because it just makes sense. You know, like everyone else has like a name and like more times is a phrase. So that's really where I'm getting this from. She also says that more times with a father figure and like, oh, you know how Bodhi feels about the whole father figure business. And so he's like, mm, you just said that my father was long dead. So and I'm like, Phydra is really acting like Bodhi is a whole criminal, like a criminal mastermind, like just. I don't know, just got illegal written all over his face. I don't know. So truly was just screaming racist, honestly. I'm not going to lie. Bodhi asks what she wants from him. And she says a name, which really means that she just wants Bodhi to say more times, I guess. And it's like, I don't really understand why she's so, I don't know, just like set on dragging more through the mud when honestly she knows that he's doing like illegal activities or whatever and like doing nothing about it so what like what like what now and more literally has nothing to do with any of this anyway honestly this is no one's fault except snoot dogs and like Aaliyah's mom so she's chasing the wrong people but you know uh, in true Bodhi fashion, Bodhi is not a snitch. Uh, so instead of saying a name, he proceeds to tell Phydra a story about a girl 
from reform that defied the odds and made something of herself. And in this story, um, he, he says that this girl's parents had, like, suggestions for how New Babel should be run, and they went to the tribunal, but the tribunal was uh, not really open to criticism and basically decided that they were agitators and then sent them to reform along with their daughter. And then the girl hates her parents and hates reform. And then, you know, time passes and then she snitches on her parents. Her parents end up ghosted. And when he said ghosted, he was like, one day they were there. The next day they were gone and no one's heard from them since. So ghosted. Um, and then the little girl gets to leave reform, becomes a junior authority, and then rises up to tribunal. And, you know, it's very clear that this story is about Phydra. Even the first time I watched this, when I didn't realize that Moore said that reform was Phydra's home sector, it was very clear that it was about Phydra. And um, Phydra basically says that the parents got what they wanted for their their own flesh and blood to affect change or whatever. And then Bodhi's like, mm, their daughter didn't have a conscience, but he does, so he's not gonna name a name. And then Phaedra says, long road for a short answer, but who doesn't like a good yarn? I don't know what that means. Like, yeah, long road for a short answer, got it. Who doesn't like a good yarn though? Like what you make scarves with? I don't understand. Um, then she says she's disaboted, okay, disappointed in Bodhi, and I'm like, truly, who cares, because I don't value your opinion anyway, and I'm sure Bodhi doesn't either. So, we go back to the academy, and everyone is, like, clapping and chanting and walking around in circles. I don't know how else to describe accurately what was happening, because that's, that's, that's it. And, um, they're chanting, and I couldn't really hear it clearly but they're like chanting stand tall like Gaia and then I think they said blaze the path like Gaia but path might have been a different word but I didn't have another option so they're really they're you know they're chanting that they're they're protesting they're not doing this whole gallery business and then we head over to authority headquarters and more times is there to save the day um, he's there to speak with Phydra, and he's saying that he has information that would be very useful to Phydra. He says he can tell her who bought those parts for the Sonic Disruptor. This is the thing that I was talking about when I said it allows someone to pass through the shield. So, he says that he can tell her who bought the parts for the thing in exchange for Bodhi's release, and then Phydra gives him gives him her word that she will let Bodhi go if he gives her this information. So Moore says he supplied the parts 13 years ago, which is the loophole because when Phydra came in the last episode to ask if the parts were bought in the last year, no, they weren't. They were bought 13 years ago. So technically Moore didn't lie. Um, and then he says that the person that bought these parts was connected to the tribunal. So like, Obviously, Ali's mom um, <laughs> bought these parts. And uh, like Fire said, Bodhi gets released. Um, but Fire fake and phony, so she keeps more times. And she's placing him under arrest for trafficking in stolen goods. And then 
my questions like answered because more times brings up the fact that there's been years of payoffs and she never had a problem before but now her problem is that his illegal actions are threatening the stability of new Babel. and it, like um mm, are they because they threatened the stability of new Babel 13 years ago and you didn't even know so how about that we head back to the academy and the clapping and chanting and circles have transformed into essentially upstepping. And then Bodhi shows up and everyone's happy to see him. They're surrounding them. They're asking them what happened, but he doesn't really know what happened. It's like one minute he was locked up. The next minute they were like, leave. Um, Max gives Bodhi his uniform, like the new exemplar uniform. And then they all just shoot the gallery and they're all, I'm saying they're all, but like most of them are all happy and, you know, like doing the interviews and taking pictures and having a great time, except for Bodhi, who's questioning literally everything. And then they took a group photo and like Bodhi's face in that, I don't even have the words to describe his face when they were taking that photo, but he looked hmm, slightly murderous, but like not really, like looked like he was filled with the rage of a thousand seas and I don't really know what an angry sea is but I know that seas are angry and that's what he looked like he was filled with so Aaliyah and Tempo are having dinner and Tempo is not buying into the fact that their protest had anything to do with Bodhi getting released and then he says it didn't do the protest for Bodhi so obviously he's trying to just say like yeah I did the thing for you because I love you Aaliyah and it's like okay it's it's sad at this point. Let it go. Let it go. Uh, Sage is in her room practicing a step when Brooklyn shows up with dinner for two. And then this is where my heart begins to melt. Sage is like, a romantic dinner for two? Brooklyn responds, could be, but that's up to you. And then the two kind of just look into each other's eyes for a second. And then Brooklyn tells Sage that she took a big risk trusting her and joining the protest. And that she knows it wasn't easy for her and that she wanted to know that it meant a lot to everyone and that it also meant a lot to herself. And then Sage responds, you mean a lot to me too. I mean, uh, it meant a lot that you, and then she just stops because she's literally like discombobulating, like she is malfunctioning. She's unraveling internally because she doesn't know what to say because it's so obvious that she likes Brooklyn. Um, and then, you know, it happens. Uh, Sage leans in and uh, Sage Lynn is official, you know, it, it, as it should be. Uh, so Brooklyn cracks a joke that she was going to wait until after dinner for the kiss. And I'm just like, wow, um, I love them. That's so wonderful. So next thing we go over to Bodhi's room and Aaliyah has shown up and she's saying that it's over. And Bodhi's like, it's easy for you to say that because you weren't locked up all day and also uh, you had the connections to get released. You're the tribunal's daughter. And that's so true. Um, she, he tells her that she has someone to rely on while he was alone, which is like essentially like it's true. Like he, he was alone in there and there was no one like higher up or like with any connections like looking out for him but there were so many people that were 
theoretically there for him or like there for him in spirit like max was really trying to get more to help out because he knew that he could probably affect some change Aaliyah went and learned about protesting to try to affect change like there were people trying to help him it they just didn't have the connections necessary but then like what he doesn't know is that more is the one who essentially got him out of there so while yes he was alone he also wasn't alone and then this this was a moment that i'm like you know this is just some like teenage rebellion like more is kind of his father figure and he's just rebelling against that right now because he's an angsty teenager what can you say so um Aaliyah is like finally addressing the fact that she's been ashamed of her privilege which like calls back to how defensive she got when Bodhi called her the tribunal's daughter in the first episode and just how and when Brooklyn did it too and Bodhi's telling her that she shouldn't feel guilty for what she has but that she should just be aware of those that have less and then Bodhi tells her that he believed before today that everyone was equal and like believed all the stuff they were saying about New Babel and then he realized that in their eyes he's less than because he's from reform aka the hood and Bodhi brought up a most deaf song that he could relate to um in their present times about the unfair treatment of people from a certain place and <clears throat> the hood <clears throat> Uh, join the other five million under state supervision that's a line from the song and it's like that's kind of like like prison or kind of like parole and how you get like a parole officer which is basically the setup of reform and its rehabilitation so uh Bodhi wants to go back to Snoop Dogg's cave because he's angry and curious and just wants to know and learn more and then Bodhi and Aaliyah gaze into each other's eyes a true Bodalia moment but then the episode's not over uh, we go over to authority headquarters and one of these tribunal people has pulled some files for phydra in secret and the files in question are about gerald because of what moore said when he revealed who it was that bought the supplies for the sonic disruptor and their connection to the tribunal so we head over to the woods and Bodhi and Aaliyah have taken the people that we care about minus tempo to Snoop Dogg's cave to introduce them to a whole new world and yes I'm so tempted to sing a whole new world but I will not subject you to that um Bodhi and Aaliyah were ready to share their secrets you know for burdens too great distribute the weight um and then Bodhi asks the archive to play Bodhi playlist number two and I really just want to know how many playlists has Bodhi made in that little archive truly truly curious and like what what songs are on them so DNA by Kendrick Lamar starts playing and we end the episode with the people that I care about dancing and having a good time so I just enjoy this show which I keep saying because it's true. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just good. Like it, it's a, it's a feel good. No, it's not. I mean, sure it is, but I don't think that's what I want to say. But I can't form any other good words about it. <sighs> the friendships are just so beautiful. Like they really showed up for each other in this episode. Like this is one to like demonstrate how deep these bonds are. Like 
somehow they all have a Bodie moment and we're all willing to go to bat for him, except for Tempo, who did it for Aaliyah's love and affection. But we don't got to talk about that. But the rest of them were doing it in the support of their fellow exemplar candidate who, like, if this was a different show or if these were different people, they wouldn't care that someone in this competition was, like, basically taken out of it. It's, like, a greater chance for them to win, you know, if they had a different mentality. But that's not how they think. They are supportive of each other they are rooting for one another they trying to help each other out and it truly is beautiful to see and then just really like cementing the friendship like Bodie and Aaliyah have taken these other people to their secret and just introduced them in into their world and like made their bond even greater and it's like okay this is like basically what you fought for in a sense, because they fought for Bodhi to be free when and Bodhi was performing influenced by what he saw in this cave and it was just so nice. And then we also had like a nice Bodalia like moment and thing and then Sagelin happened and it every beautiful it's just so nice. I don't know. Um I don't <laughs> again, no hot takes are happening here. Just feelings exploding in a way that is basically incoherent but what can you do um i don't know utopia falls is great again think you should watch it but again if you're listening you probably did watch it but if by some chance you haven't it's available on hulu 10 episodes um yeah all right i guess i'll do the thing where i talk about a thing that's not utopia falls um but that i have been enjoying or enjoyed um, I think I'm going to talk about is Little Friars Everywhere, which is a show on Hulu, which is a adaptation of a book of the same name. And it was a really good show. Um, it really drew you in. It did some character stuff where you really got to know these people and feel like you knew them. And I hate them. Truly, I hated someone and oh filled with so much rage for that person but it's no it's not fine i hated them so much probably gonna do a actual episode dedicated to the entire thing but um just wanted to mention it now that little fires everywhere was wonderful um carrie washington was in it reese witherspoon was in it love reese witherspoon love carrie washington what wasn't to love uh it was great and it surprised me in a way like when I started it I thought that I was going to be wrapped up in this one thing but then by the end the thing I thought I was going to be wrapped up in I don't know like wasn't the messaging but yeah little fires everywhere so now I'm going to end it end it and if you would like you can find my blog at spillintv.com s-p-i-l-l-i-n-t-v.com uh you can find me on twitter at spillin underscore tv i'm not gonna spell it again it's spelled the same way but with an underscore um and then you can find me on instagram at tylerpedia t-y-l-e-r-r-p-e-d-i-a-a uh yeah make good choices Mm, again i don't remember how i end them